Welcome to the Steadyham Podcast. Scott Ronalds and Tom Bradley here reporting on the second quarter of 2010. Now, Tom, it was a pretty ugly quarter. It took us back to late 2008 and early 2009 when we experienced some big drops in the market. Do you want to start us off and provide us with some general comments on what transpired? Well, Scott, I started my letter this quarter with the word discouraging, and uh, it really was uh, just that this last couple of months, May and June for sure. Uh, stocks gyrating, uh, we've given back a little bit of the gains from uh, 2009, at least most portfolios have. And uh, if you were reading the news and kind of following world events, uh, it didn't make you feel any better. Uh, clearly, the debt overload that we've talked a lot about in our, in our writing over the last year, really, is coming into play, whether it be Greece or elsewhere in the, uh, the world economy. I think one of the big issues out there is that transition from uh, economic activity driven by government stimulation transitioning over to the private sector is, is going to be a challenge, and we're starting to head into the, to the bumps along the way uh, related to that. And just generally, I think there's a view out there that if we're going to get out of this debt-induced mess that we're in, it's either going to be another debacle or a slow period of growth. I happen to be in the latter category in my view, but, but in any case, it's, it's not a very pretty picture. So uh, that played into returns. Um, if we look at, we're going to go through the funds individually, but if we kind of look at our, our balanced clients, how they've done so far this year, uh, the returns would be anywhere from zero for the more conservative clients to about minus three for the more equity-oriented ones. So certainly uh, not a disaster in that sense for a, for a good diversified portfolio, but, but going the wrong way for sure. Should all of this take us off track as investors? Absolutely not. In fact, uh, I think it'd be the worst time to, to make any big swerves or deviations from our long-term plan. Indeed, as we've said before in weak markets, uh, uh, lower returns or lower prices uh, lead to higher returns going forward. And so we want our clients, obviously, to take advantage of that. Uh, many of you that work with us uh, directly and, and uh, talk to us about your portfolio know that we center all our discussions on your long-term strategic asset mix, and we're still very much in that mode. Still got a bit of a cautious bias based on some of that those concerns we talked about earlier and the fact that valuations are only okay at this point in the markets. But uh, having said that, we really don't uh, expect clients to deviate very far from their long-term mix. So as you're going to hear in these, uh, these next few uh, minutes as we go through the funds, most of the heavy lifting for, on your behalf and my behalf is being done by our managers who run the funds. And so, Scotty, why don't we get that going with, uh, with a look at the income fund? Well, it was actually quite a strong quarter for bonds, Tom, as investors were looking to safety, given all the given all the well-publicized debt problems in Europe and the uncertainty over the global economic recovery that's been making all the headlines. Government bonds led the way. The DEX federal bond yield fell nearly half a percent in the quarter, leading to some strong gains. Corporate yields also fell, albeit to a lesser extent. Now, the income fund gained a little under 1% in the quarter on the strength of these bond holdings. Its income equities, on the other hand, had a rough quarter and held it back from further gains. The manager, Connor Clark and Lund, made a few changes to the portfolio, but the most notable was a reduction in its exposure to income equities. These securities had a good run, and CCNL felt it was time to reduce their weighting. Their focus was on trimming dividend-paying stocks rather than real estate investment trusts and some of the business income trusts in the portfolio. Overall, the income equity portion of the fund was brought down from about 31% to 23%. With a decline in government and corporate yields, 
The overall yield of the portfolio dropped from about 4.5% at the beginning of the quarter to 4.1% at the end of June, which is still about 1% higher than a Government of Canada 10-year bond. So, Tom, enough about bonds. Let's uh, move on to the equity funds. Well, in our equity fund, it was a real dichotomy. It's interesting because the operating performance of the 24 businesses in the fund was just fine and really, I guess, reflected the higher quality nature of the businesses in that fund. But the performance of the fund has been more mixed. There's no doubt about that. Uh, It was down uh, 7.8% in the quarter, down 6.6% so far this year. And, and, you know, most of that is based on the weak markets that we've been alluding to. But, uh, you know, Canada was down almost 6% in the quarter and and the U.S. uh, and foreign markets considerably more than that. But but we've also struggled. We've had some companies that have... uh, whether it be Shoppers Drug Mart, uh, Research and Motion being the two worst that have been really hard hit stocks because some of the some of the uh, operating competitive issues they faced. Nonetheless, the the fund continues to focus on high quality businesses. We find the valuations now getting quite compelling. Uh, there's some companies even trading high single digit uh, price earnings multiples. Certainly, lots of in the low teens, which is great. We've added to a few of them. Companies like TMX, Potash Corp, and, and Oracle are names that uh, got additional allocations. And I guess we've eliminated one in the quarter, Scott, and that was IDEX Laboratories, which was, for good reasons, it's it's done very, very well for the portfolio, and uh, valuation was just getting a little stretched. So, so CGOV, our manager, trimmed that back. I might just finish at talking about the equity fund to say that uh, in, in meeting with Gordo Riley, who runs our fund a couple weeks ago, he took me through uh, their valuation work, and uh, they do kind of worst-case and best-case scenarios on all their portfolios. And, and he was pointing out that the worst-case scenario, if every all the stocks went to their, their worst possible valuation, would be about minus 15%, so obviously more downside perhaps. But the upside potential, if things work out okay, would be plus 50. And so that ratio is now over 3 to 1. And that's what we're trying to do every day as investors is find that what we call asymmetrical distribution where there's way more upside than downside. So I'm pretty comfortable as much as this fund has struggled that uh, they're doing the right things to set us up for some good returns going forward. Let's look a little more broadly now at the global equity fund. Really all eyes have been on the European debt problems, the so-called pig countries, uh, really impacting the uh, European returns and weighing down the world index. Uh, The world uh, equity index was down 8.4% in Canadian dollar terms in the quarter, and and, uh, our fund got hit pretty hard itself. It was down uh, 11.7% with exposure to uh, a few stocks that really had a tough time, including Nokia uh, out of Europe. But uh, I spent some time in Edinburgh in mid-May, met with uh, Sandy Nairn, the founder of Edinburgh Partners, and his team. And uh, clearly, they're very aware of the implications and the opportunities that come out of the European crisis. Uh, They do think that the stronger economies in Europe are just fine and that there's some some great global companies there to be bought. Having said that, I I was pretty impressed on how disciplined they are and not getting too distracted by all that. They've been, as many of you know, they've been buying some industrial and manufacturing companies and uh, with a real Japanese flavor to them. Another one added this quarter, Panasonic, but they also added a UK stock, Tesco, the retailer, and Singapore Telecom. So um, we may see some new European names over time, but uh, uh, so far it's been uh, elsewhere in the world. 
the focus here, much like I just said on our equity fund, valuation, valuation, valuation. And uh, I came away from Edinburgh, Edinburgh certainly feeling that uh, our partners there are very dispassionate investors. They're going to look through this short-term noise and really try and find us some undervalued securities. Scott, the small cut fund? Well, somewhat ironically, in a quarter where investors seem to be fleeing from risk, this was our, our best performing equity fund. It was down a little over 4% in the quarter when the small cap market as a whole was uh, down closer to 6%. We highlight the issue of liquidity in the quarterly report. This is a fund where you get a lot of underfollowed companies that wouldn't be on the radar screen of most managers. Uh, the example we point to is a, is a new holding in the fund, Alaris Royalty Corp. Just some highlights of this company. It's uh, got a market cap of $120 million and only trades a few thousand shares a day. It's in the business of alternative financing for private companies. Now, this isn't a sexy business model, but it's, it's unique. It generates good profitability, and it has attractive growth prospects. Again, these are the types of smaller businesses that Will Witherich looks for. The manager was a little more active than normal in the quarter. Will also purchased Pacific Rubiales Energy, which is a Canadian-listed company that has its operations in Colombia. The company generates about 20 per, the company produces about 20% of the oil that comes out of Colombia. It's, it's a unique position in that it provides additional emerging market exposure for the portfolio, which is a valuable complement to some of the fund's businesses that focus primarily on the Canadian market. Will did add another U.S. business towards the end of the quarter, actually uh, early this quarter, and uh, we'll touch on that uh, at our next podcast as, as the position is still being accumulated. Overall, the focus of the portfolio remains the same, cheap and small. Well, Tom, let's close off there, but before we sign off, we should mention a new report produced by Morningstar Canada that's making its rounds in the business. The report focuses on the issue of stewardship, in other words, how well a fund company's interests are lined up with their unit holders. Morningstar ranks several companies in Canada, and we're proud to announce that we came out uh, with an A grade and a very favorable score. If you haven't seen the study, we encourage you to take a look at it. It can be found on Morningstar's website, and there's information about it on our site as well. Thanks for listening. Once again, all of our podcasts can be found on iTunes and on our website.